This podcast is brought to you by Stumbino's Coffee, Elevate, Victor Lundin's, Hotel 8, Biffley's Bookmark, and Lakes Area GroCo. can't dance no i can't dance i can't dance <laughs> that was an old 70s song you, you can't dance no i can't right. dance right nice fitting fitting for the conversation <laughs> fitting for the conversation we're right. gonna have today yeah, yeah, yeah. but you you probably got some moves you probably got you got you guys you could probably I do some, on well some dancing and some wobbling you do a little bit more wobbling after a couple edge catchers that's well, that's what we no, found no, out. No, no, I'm really aren't I a little smoother? You might be. Know. There might be like a fine line. You know, there's a fine <laughs> line, you, right? I well, I'm excited. I'm here for. It's I'm little, not here. I'm somewhere else. Right. I, I'm excited. This is going to be a little bit different uh, interview than I've done. I've done a lot of interviews with businesses and individuals i'm just really really excited to dive into this individual story brian i don't even know i don't even know your last name brian stavig brian stavig he is i'm here with the ex left-hander himself brian stavig and you wrote a book called the ex left-hander correct yes and i'm trying to get the movie going trying to get a movie going okay all right well um I like it. Brian's got a cool story about um, perseverance, perseverance, and uh, and how to how he's dealt with uh, being um, involved in a really really tough accident at a young age in life, and some of the things he's done, and some of the outlets like writing that he's gotten into to express that. So um, I'm pretty excited to to hear your story. So let's just. Uh, Let's just get into it from the from the very beginning, from like your childhood. Why don't you just start there and just tell us about growing up and, and I was all young that. at the time. And he's Brian's a jokester too. He might have some comedy. It might be funny. Some of it might be dry. Now, <laughs> <laughs> now, now you're really laying it out for me. <laughs> really laying it out for you. Oh boy. Well. I was rather young when I was born, and uh, living on a farm by Barrett, Minnesota. If y'all know where Barrett is, if you even been there, yeah, I know everybody here's been there. <laughs> Depending on who's listening, we'll see where this reaches. Yeah, I can take it. I can take it. Yeah, small town Minnesota, small little town Minnesota, teeny tiny town. Minnesota. Yeah, about three hundred sixty yep. people. However, they're the they're the uh, place in Grand County that has the high school for okay. the whole county. Okay. So, I mean, that's because they're basically in the middle of the county. Okay. Yep. Yep. So you grew up in Barrett on a farm? Yeah. Okay. In the 60s. What, what year were you born? 62. 62. Okay. I was one year and one day old when JFK was... Shot down in Dallas, Texas. Dang. I wasn't there. You weren't there. I had nothing to do with it. 
Fair enough. That's my story, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> I like it. So you then kind of grew up in the 60s, 70s. Um, your accident was what year? You said you were 18? 81. 81. July 18th. July 18th, 1981. So before we get to the accident and kind of what happened and and uh, and why uh, your life, kind of how and why your life changed forever, but just talk about life growing up and what you were into at the farm, work, what was working on the farm like, what did you do for jobs? I was a kid, when you were I wasn't working. You weren't working? I play. I uh, hit baseballs and... You know, back in them days, you had baseball, not softball. Okay. I remember, you know, I played, moved to Ferguson. I didn't sit in town teams or anything. I, Me and friends would get together and put together our own teams and do things like baseball. Of course, that was a lot bigger back then. Now it's every. Everybody's got their own sport, but you know, still a lot of people like baseball. How about you? I was a skier growing up, so I skied. I played a little bit of soccer. Mm -hmm. uh, I played football one year, but I was a skier mainly. Okay. So, um, did you have any jobs then before your accident, like when you yeah, were in high school I, and stuff? A couple, nothing major, but I also. When I graduated high school, I had an academic scholarship at the University of Minnesota to be a mechanical engineer. What what was your what kind of uh, GPA did you have in high school? Three point four nine six three. Okay. Never studied. Okay. Huh. I was a left-handed artist. Left-handed artist. Huh. So you grew up drawing and painting, just drawing yeah. mainly. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's the, this is the, where the. J.D. Dolan was the art teacher. J.D. Dolan. Okay. This is kind of where the, the title of the book comes in, The Ex Left Hander. So yeah. you lost, you missed out on um, every, all of your artistic expression and outlet after yeah, your accident. It's still there, but it's, it's still there. The left hand is not yeah. stable. Gotcha, gotcha. So did you go to, you got a scholarship to go off to college, and then you got in your accident? Yeah, college started, I was coming out of a coma. Okay, so that was the summer. Probably wouldn't have got, well, I had tickets to go see Sticks, but I was in a coma. I probably wouldn't have got much out of the concert. <laughs> probably wouldn't have got much out of the concert. Um so you were 18. You kind of yeah. told me a little bit about the the accident, but tell me about the buildup of that day. Just start with like, do you, I don't know if you remember or if you've been told this account after a, the fact. It was a but, party for my friend who was going into Air Force. Now, is this something, is this all stuff you recall or is this like, did you lose? Yeah, more or less. More or less, okay. Kind of on that. Told and on, you know, but it comes back somewhat. But see, Les and I were high school friends. We, among other things, I was a, I was in the crowd that were the gamblers. Gamblers. We 
had football pools since ninth grade, and <laughs> we and we can get together and play cards. Okay. Nothing major like uh, we weren't. What would you say? Uh, affiliated with anybody? We did it ourselves. You know, it's too many people. It seems will only do these so many things because because it's uh, town sanctioned. Hmm. But that wasn't me. I did things my own, and my friends did things too. You know because. Why not? Why can't you? Right. You can line up your own activities. You don't need somebody telling you what to do. So you guys built a built a underground gambling chain. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So to speak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice. this, this was, and we, I was, I did weightlifting in the winter, you know, because there's a little weight machine. And a room off the basketball court in the old high school in Fergus Falls. And I would go in there with another guy who ran with, you know, we ran track, but a lot of football linemen were in there. So we'd just go in and we'd work out, you know, what the hey, it was free and it was something to do and That's right. better to work out than... Uh, you know, go through life and other people decide for you. I never liked other people deciding for me. You probably don't either. No, who likes that? Who likes that? So yeah. going back to then the day of the accident, kind of tell us about the lead up of that day and, and, and how that how that day unfolded. Well, I have no real idea, but uh, the party for my friend who was going into the Air Force, we went to a girl's place and played softball, and then we went to uh, Bad Lake and swam. And uh, we were, I was, Les and I were running back, you know, to get him in a little better shape for the Air Force. And evidently, Kurt came by and he, told us to get in the car, and obviously we did, so lasted maybe half an hour, mile more, and then he crashed. Hmm. And and this was, uh, you guys were, I mean, it was a, it was drinking. There was some drinking well, involved. Kurt was uh, my he, friend Les's boss's son. Okay. On the big chief Texaco. Okay. And that's where the friends were from that he had the party with gotcha so you guys were running back from a party what time of night was this i don't i don't really know about don't really seven know. eight okay okay you know it was probably a little late because well it was still light and we were kids and you know how it goes yep yep so he picked you guys up you guys were running down the side of the road he picks you up yeah, and then another half mile down the road. Was it a high speed crash? Probably. What, probably. You didn't ever get told the the mechanism of the crash. Well, it was going around a curve, and you know, 
you know Highway 35 coming into Dalton, mm-hmm. one big curb before it gets into Dalton. Okay. And he's there, and he's going too fast, and he starts slipping onto the road while he was speeding and talking. And then he, that's how it happened, I would assume. Mm. Was ever how what was like the state of everyone else in the in the vehicle? Well, I was the worst, but there's another girl that has pretty bad, Joni. And Les had uh, scars and stuff, and so did uh, Donna. Mm. They say that uh, at the Fergus Falls Hospital. Uh, Kurt was threatened to be thrown in jail if he didn't shut up. Hmm. Because, you know, he is the driver. Yeah. Hmm. He's so dead now. He's dead now. What happened? I don't know. You don't know? I never knew him. Never knew him. Hmm. Dang. Um. So you were in a coma for how long after the accident? About six weeks. Six weeks. And that was, you went unconscious during the accident. And then and then six weeks later, you woke up in a hospital bed. Yeah, well, it's not that cut and dried. Okay. You know, um, in the first place, well, I'll give you some stats. And this was from maybe 10, 15 years ago stats. But similar, I'd say now, they say that there's probably two million people who suffer a brain injury every year. Ten percent of them are severe, and of all the subgroups, the biggest group is between sixteen and twenty-five. Dang! And you have a good idea what that's all about. I mean, there's many, many ways to get a brain damage: young and reckless, being young and reckless, and drinking and driving. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. Dang, don't you think? I would know? think. Yeah, yeah. I would think in general that that age, sixteen to twenty-five. Oh, definitely. I mean, you're definitely. at a. They, they say that your brain doesn't isn't fully developed until you're twenty-five years old. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so um, there's that period of life too where you're just reckless and you don't understand indestructible indestructible you don't yeah. understand the long-term ramifications of that's the thing of the yeah. decisions you make but there's also you know? the first few years you're experimenting with booze and stuff and yeah you got the car which is a two-ton death trap sometimes and a lot of times they the kids just don't realize the yeah the yeah, uh that's true the the power and the and how fast life can just can just change in an instant by making a decision. Well, that know? that also I would think you know, and this is my case, but uh, you may have the ability to do that, but the car doesn't, mm. and uh, the other person you're encountering doesn't. Maybe right. right. It's not necessarily your. Problem, your uh, situation. I mean, it's not your stupidity doing it always. It's, but when you're doing that and you're speeding and things come by so much quicker, and sometimes 
the equipment you're using doesn't handle what you think it should. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's just one ins an idea. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> do you know what kind of, was it strictly head trauma that you experienced during the crash? Was there other, phys did you, did you have other physical damage during well, the crash? I or tell just you what head trauma. I flew out the back of the hatchback of a Datsun 310. You flew out the back of the hatchback. The Dang. girl next to me, she broke the window to let us get out first. Dang. But the car evidently didn't like that, so it landed on me. Dang. And the catalytic converter was right on my butt. Dang. Burnt off maybe 20 inches of vertical jump. Burnt with twenty inches of your vertical jump. You said yeah, <laughs> it burnt yeah. off twenty inches of my vertical jump. Dang! So you got thrown out of the car. The car landed on you. Right. So in all in all honesty, you kind of got luck. You kind of lucked out in the sense that you're still here and alive. Well, yeah, that's what people say. That's what people say. That's not my opinion. I yeah. was just not. Heaven didn't want me. Hell was afraid I'd take over. So you know. <laughs> It's not true. Uh, well, so you had burns, severe burns on your back, butt. Yeah, right. And as well as took a good shot to the head. You weren't wearing a seatbelt, I assume. It was 1981. Right. Few, if anybody did that. Then. Right. Gotcha. Gotcha. So do you have, did you have other broken bones or other issues that, that they had to take care of? At that time, all scratches and scars and stuff. Mainly just the burn, just the burn and the head trauma. Well, they also took skin off my thigh to cover my butt. Mm. Trouble was, it was tan, so they had to de dig deep. Of course, I wasn't around. I was, I was actually, I was flying in. Fighting in a Star Wars up around Orion Galaxy. What do you mean? Well, that's where I was. You were. It, I was. I was. You know, and it was weird because these people they they didn't act like I act. They didn't look like me. You know, it was really. Are strange. you talking about when you were in a coma? Right. You you like went on some. Psychedelic journey, well, magical you mystery tour. Did you really? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you don't know. That's that's actually something I, that I'm very curious about. Like, do you have any recollection or no, any memory no, of, of, no. of coma at all or anything? Again, like that? No. Then okay. again, you know, a lot of people they give you the, the ideas that they yeah I saw this I did that yeah bullshit. Sorry, <laughs> You know, they—it's what they want to think, and they want to—they want to bedazzle people with their tales. You know, it's no, that isn't the way it is at all. I do not think, but it may be, and maybe um, my coming up with this is uh, what happened. You know, maybe, but <laughs> yeah, so. Recovery from waking up from from a coma. You woke up in a hospital and you're like, "What the hell happened to me?" Probably no, no, I wasn't. 
Not at all. In fact, that was a very slow awareness of achieving. Very slow. Very slow. What do you mean by that? I mean, I maybe it was woken up kind of, but I don't remember being in in Fargo or St. Luke's <clears throat> at all. I woke up, I was in the Grand Forks Rehab Hospital. Okay. That was about two months, two or three months after the injury. Okay. That's like when you remember actually coming to it. Coming to sort it. of, yes. Otherwise, it was like slowly in and out kind well, of in that. Well, yes, exactly. It wasn't it just slowly coming to enough awareness to. Hmm. So then they brought you to the rehab hospital and you had to learn how to do everything again. Well, I don't think it was that so much as just getting the body to do it again. Because yep. I believe a person knows. Right. Just getting your body to uh, do what it needs to do. Hmm. And... Do you, then the mechanism of brain injury, you obviously had damage to a certain part of your brain that must have ran your, the left portion of your body? Yes. That's yes. that's what was specifically affected? Do you know the details of that at all? Well, uh, yeah, yeah, I did, but now I can't even remember. But uh, it's sort of in the middle of the obligata, you know, uh, the... Uh, center part of the mammalian brain okay in the right side okay so it, it is it and it's it mainly affects your left side of your body is that pretty much pretty yes. much pretty much yep okay which is kind of funky because i used to be all left-handed right right so all sorts of fun little things that happened <laughs> i mean i i uh Alice in the looking glass. I see things opposite of what it was. You know? Hmm. You've heard of Lewis Carroll. I haven't. You always ask me if I've heard of things. You assume uh, a lot uh, of me, Brian. Yeah, well, yeah, Lewis Carroll <laughs> wrote Alice in Wonderland. Okay, okay. I've heard of Alice in Wonderland. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's all about perspective. I'm sure your perspective yeah, sure. has changed and shifted you probably have a, a a much different perspective on life than a lot of people who've gotten to be your age. Because how old are you now? 60? 61. 61. Yes. So I assume you've got a lot a lot different perspective on life than a lot of people who have lived 61 years. So, um, But talk to me about that rehab process then a little bit more. You said you were in Grand Forks Rehab Facility? Yep. Okay. That was before the flood. Okay, I don't. I wasn't. Do you remember flood. the flood of nineteen eighty-seven? No, no, I was born in eighty-nine. So. Yeah, that's right. But anyway, there was a major flood in eighty-seven, and well, the river, Red River, and the problem with the Red River is it flows north. So you know what happens in the winter? It freezes. Well, yes, and in the spring, when the south is. Uh, Above freezing, the north isn't, so. It changes direction or not? No. No. But backs up. It backs up. That makes sense. 
That makes and, sense. And uh, uh, they had they had lots of well, I was at eighty nine anyway. They were lots of troubles. Right. Well, the flood doesn't really have anything to do with your story, though. No. No. But that the the <laughs> Grand Forks was rehab hospital was they they were flooded and and in fact I believe in eighty nine uh, one of the things you know the downtown of Grand Forks was flooded and there was a fire in one of the buildings that they couldn't get the fire engine in because it was flooded. Oh, so burnt. So the whole block burnt. Dang, dang. So rehab, though, at Grand Forks, that uh, process lasted for how long for you? I I don't really know. Six weeks, maybe. Six weeks. And then you were out and... Still, we were at Ferguson, did a couple more months of rehab. Okay. So you lived in Barrett, and then you moved to Fergus and graduated high school in Fergus? Yes. Okay. Okay, gotcha. Um, and then you said more rehab in Fergus. You moved back home, yeah. Instead, so instead of going off to college, you moved back home. I well, said you, know, you couldn't I, go to college. I mean, I could, but when I went to college in the spring of '82, how many years after the accident was that? Then was that the next year? Yes, that was the accident happened in 81. July of '81. So the next spring, you went off to college. Spring quarter. Yeah, spring quarter. Where was that at the U? No, I was here. That was here. Okay, gotcha. And I next year was here, and then I moved to Morehead State, and then okay, because in high school, my track coach was Terry Harrington out of Morehead State. Okay, and because of him, I he brought me up to run with the Morehead State boys before and. And I knew the uh, Ron Masons and was the track coach up there at that time, and and uh, I met a lot of people, and a lot of people knew me. And I, in fact, I was helping coach track in in the spring, and uh, all these people from all these places they knew who I was. I didn't know who they were. And we're talking coaches and people ran and stuff. The kids I knew kind of better, but you were coaching track and field in college, or well, helping in the next year, and then I went to help at uh, CC and Fergus for a couple of years. And- okay. This was all post accident. Now, right? This is all post accident. Okay. This and this is the part of the story I'm really really interested in because I want to learn about your book, The Ex Left Hander. You wrote that post-accident, obviously. Yeah. Um, and is it just all about the, is it about the accident? Is it more about life after the accident? It's mainly after because the accident, I don't remember. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yep, yep. That We pretty much unpacked everything that you kind of remember or have been told about it for the yeah. most part. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so when did you write the book? Eh, about uh 2000 to 2005, 6, 7. Okay. Okay. So, what, like later in life, you were in your 40s, 50s. Something like that. 50s. Okay. So, um, I wrote the book in the latter 90s and then uh, to uh, 
publish it. You know, I'm trying to figure out how, how am I going to come up with the money to publish it. And I, finally, I was, I had a job. In 98, I was in Wilmer and we and went down to a Lake Chetek with uh, somebody, uh, Fred Cogelo, and uh, we went down there to for a writer's seminar. Okay. Our day, and there I met Chris Osgood. Of, at the time, it was called Springboard and Counseling for the Arts of the Twin Cities. Okay. Now it's known as... as uh, Springboard for the Arts, right? Yeah. Yep. Our, no, our first one was Resources and Counseling for the Arts. And okay. Now it's Springboard. Okay. And... Um, I was only in the cities, and now Chris told me to move down to the cities, and he helped me, and well, I did, and I was looking for a job because it's a little more pricier to live down there. So I finally got in with Canterbury Park, and I was working in the concessions, and then uh, because my sister had a horse since 1970, I just went and I worked with the horse people. Okay. And that's while you were writing your book? Well, yeah, I had kind of finished it, and I was looking okay. to get it published. published. That was like when you were looking to get it published at the time. Gotcha. But so, then again, you know, uh, I got it published, and the people there helped me to get it they get it published, and I could I sold a bunch to a lot of these people, and... Okay. Good people. Nice. Um, so, finish the story. Then after you were you after college, what'd you kind of? How far? Like how far in between college and then when you moved to go get your book published? There was a good chunk of time there, right? Well, I we start. Dan and I started candy campers out of Wilmer and went about five years before. It. The 1990s. Campers? One, building campers? Candy campers. Candy RV, camp, RVs. Candy, Ohio County. Okay. That's what, you know, RVs, travel trailers. And okay. Stuff. And then came the 91 post Twins World Series win blizzard from 1991. <laughs> if you remember that, I don't. You I, don't, don't. I know you're very young, but <laughs> see, right after the World Series of one and '91 was the Halloween blizzard came in Minnesota. Okay, and basically everything we had going to be sold that year. Nobody bought it because there's. Two feet of snow on the ground, hard to get anything out. Mm. So they went with their year-old campers. I had about five or six more that I could have sold, but I didn't. And then came the the uh, post-Reagan recession. Okay. And that kind of shut us down. The camper business got shut down there then? No, well, 
my business did because nobody was going to spend any money anymore. Mm. Mm. So then what, what'd you end up doing? Like what, what, what are some other, so did you collect, were you able to collect or pull on some disability after your accident? A certain well, amount? I got lawsuit settlement, but then again, I wasted that in that business. And then I got back on SSI, and I tell you, that they are, these government people are just. They're the best. They're just, the, aren't they just great, Brian? Aren't they just the best? No, Is that what you are going to no, say, Brian? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> They're the ones that are continuing keep me down to nothing. You know, mm-hmm. this is why I got to get these jobs and stuff, and I got to take so long to finally get something down. Finally, I get enough to possibly make a movie. But, you know, it's 20 years after when it should have been made because I have no money from nothing mm. and uh, no way of uh, getting any money because these people, these social service people are right there constantly like a, like a, a cat or something waiting for the mouse. As soon as the mouse comes out, he pounces and destroys it. That's kind of the way I see. Dang. Tell me, tell me how you really feel, Brian. <laughs> Dang. No, that's that. That's a, I mean, that's a tough situation though, because. And I'm not the only one. No, no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And, and, um, and obviously you had a tragic thing happen, so you weren't able to pursue careers in the avenues that you could have or, or should have or would have. You the, know? Way, the way I see it is, you know, I had an ability to possibly be a baseball player. Or an engineer, it sounds like. Or an yeah. engineer or yeah. an artist. An artist, yeah. Now, I chose engineering and obviously that was the wrong choice because hmm. this happened. Hmm. Maybe I should have been an artist. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So you have worked, though, a handful of odd jobs um, kind of throughout your life just to kind of right. try to try to make ends meet, try to make try to make life happen. That's when I, I moved to the cities and I got a job with Canterbury Park and I got it in with the horses. And, got in with the horses. And, uh, and that's kind of what you like to talk about mm-hmm. a lot. I know, that, I know that like whenever we're at the bar, you, you, th- th- that comes up a lot. I know you've written a couple books about your time working with the horses as well. So you have the X left-hander and then you have a couple other books out there? Yeah. What are those called? Well, the one is going to be, and I'm hoping going to have it done real soon. It's going to be called Horse Tales. Horse Tales. Okay. Get it? Horse Tales. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> anyway, and I got three horse stories, and I told you the one about the time the horse chased me through the electric fence, chopped my head right off, but how I was reattached, and the doctor was. A quack, he sewed it on backwards. And so all the money we won in the lawsuit, we had to use to get it reattached the right way because the 
and stand sleeping on my belly, and if I slept on my back, I'd suffocate. So that's a short story you wrote? You yeah. wrote this? Okay. All right. That's the first one. <laughs> that's the first one. All right. <laughs> the dangers of being a kid in Barrett living on a farm with a horse. All right. All right. And then I went about a horse I used to love a lot. She was, she won her, she ran 19 races in her career, 17 stakes races, 16 of them, $100,000 better stakes races. She won nine of them, 15 in the money. She was a tomboy. She didn't like it when girls would put ribbons and stuff in the hair, you know. She didn't like that, and she didn't like to dawdle around. She, I took her in, for the first time, I took her into the, she won the race. It was her third race. She won the first two, and third one was a stakes race. <coughs> All right. Want some water? <coughs> Excuse me. <laughs> all right, I'll get you some water. You want to pause for a second? Yeah. yeah. Let's take a quick break here. I'll get you some water. Anyway, we're back. I uh, I thought we were going to lose you there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at you. It looked like we were losing you there. So, right. but uh, you it's were kind of like it's like an airplane. I think the movie was. You know, remember them all? No, you probably don't. Anyway, it was the one of the first of these. Uh, You know, movies where they're kind of farcical. Okay. And uh, one was this little girl who's who's in the get an operation, and she's well, they got troubles, and and then somebody is one of the stewardesses is doing something, and in doing that, you pull off the girl's. Uh, a uh, tube, and she's sitting there <laughs> starving or can't breathe like a right. oxygen tube. That's exactly what she looked like, Brian. It looked like you were dying over there. So, <laughs> uh, all right. Well, so I always like to keep them riveted. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, I, I do have to say, you know, like I said, I mentioned earlier, sometimes I worry about you after a couple a couple edge catchers. Like one of these days we're gonna have to we're gonna have to I'm sure it's happened before where some somebody's had to help you up off off the floor there at the bar before. No. Nope, never nope, happened? Never. You don't think so? No. Nope. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um so finish up then kind of talking about your books <clears throat> that you've written. Uh talk about the ex left hander and just kinda like what that book's all about. I mean we talked a lot about a lot about it, but well, it's the uh, the uh, subtitle is uh, trying to live a dignified life with a disability, hmm. which is because there's so many people that want to help, or at least they say they want to help you, but some of them, I think, are helping themselves to your misery hmm. make them look better, but hmm. probably not, but I tend to get a little, I tend to see things differently than most. Hmm. 
And then you got these uh, government people that are getting paid very nicely just to make sure that I could barely survive. Hmm. And uh, because they're, you know, everybody has their, their fingers in the pot and and it seems that the Republicans only want to help the rich and uh, able, and the Democrats will help everybody as long as they got a finger in to get a little chunk out of every piece that they do. Mm. That's a pretty bad opinion, but is it wrong? I don't know. Mm. Yeah. So your book is... How to live a dignified life with a disability. Well, kind of, yes. Huh. I basically, it's about my story, but one thing in my stories is, and it's everybody, is everybody who reads a book or something, is see what they were doing in similar situation, and then you think about what would I do if this happened, and... Hmm. And then that way you have your own opinions and you maybe have a better way of doing things. But it gets an idea that uh, these things happen, maybe you could do it better. I'm not trying to say being smart ass about it or anything, but it's the situation and the, what you did, I did about it, and you understand what I'm saying. Yeah, now. yeah. No, I get what you're saying. I totally get what you're saying. I'm excited. I've never. I'll see if I can find a copy of the book. How long is the book? I'm about 140 pages. Okay. I'm not In much fact, of a reader. I'm just not much of a reader. I'm more well, of a conversationalist. But I uh, maybe have one at my place somewhere. Fifteen dollars is yeah. I'll pick up a copy from you. You bring it into the brewery. I'll buy a copy from you right. sometime. And, uh, are those books on Amazon or can you buy them yes, on Amazon? They are. Okay. Yeah. So you can buy I digital copies. They, yeah, I believe you can. Yes. Are there anywhere, is there anywhere in town that you can buy physical copies of that book right now? Well, I had them at Victor Lundin, but I, it's always been the case, you know, if I put it out there, nobody will buy it. But if I can sell pretty well to anybody, and they'll gladly buy it for me. Gotcha, gotcha. Of course, I, I'd have to sign it. <laughs> You'd have to sign it. <laughs> oh well, that's okay. I sold yeah. around six hundred copies, I believe. You sold around six hundred copies of that book. Dang, yeah. dang, dang. But I, uh, you know, <clears throat> in fact. In fact, I got two different. One was sold on. Uh, one was sold in Europe, and then I sold another book to a horse book to another girl who was who went to Fiji or something. Okay. So I'm internationally known. International, an international uh, right. author. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So you did all the work with horses for a while, um, and then you're in Fergus now. Where do you live nowadays? 
in town here somewhere? Yep. Do you live alone? No, with my mom. Okay. Okay. You still, you are, your mom's still around. Yep. Awesome. Um, Cause we see you, you are a town icon, you know, Brian, Brian's around at socials. All the, you spend a lot of time up at socials. Yeah. Spend some time down at outstate. Yep. Drink around at a bunch of other places. I'm sure as well. No, not many other places. Not many. Those are the spots for you pretty well, much? Well, I used to be at Mabel's, and I don't do much anymore. But I right now I need to go to Mabel's because uh, Melissa, uh, she's, or is it Melanie? Anyway, she is illustrating the gen- the general Mark and Norman. See, the general was the barn cat. Okay. Mark was a racing thoroughbred who bit and kicked, but he and the general were best buds. So it's about a horse and a cat that were best friends. And, and Norman was a goat. A goat? Okay. See, sometimes some horses, they need companionship, so you put a goat yes. in near them, and there's your companionship. So your uh, obviously your book, The Ex-Left-Hander, is more of like a biography, right? Well, yeah. Yeah, more or less. And then are these other books you write, are they more fiction, non-fictional? Well, you you probably have difference of opinion on them, of course. Okay. The style of them is more, like, imaginative? Well, okay. Okay, you could say that. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, what else besides writing thoroughbreds? Is there anything else that stands out to you, like in your life, that you feel like is something you want to talk about? Something you want to touch base on? <clears throat> Otherwise, I'm going to get into some mistakes and advice. Oh, that's okay. Go for it. All right. How about biggest mistakes you've made in your life? Well, getting in that car. Yep. Hmm. And other than that, I don't think of much. Yeah. Yeah, that's a tough one. Hmm. But, you know, evidently I'm supposed to say that a lot of people look up to me. Hmm. Because, uh, well, I don't frown much, and I don't. I smile a lot, and yep. people think I'm an idiot. But what the hey? <laughs> a what? Idiot. What's the, an idiot? An ignorant idiot. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, we we all do appreciate you, Brian, and uh, <laughs> and it is there is something. Um, Carefully. What's that? Kerflui. Garflui. Kerflui. Kerflui. Yeah. What is Kerflui? You always t- bring up the most <laughs> random stuff with me, but um, yeah. no, there is something, Brian, that's really, really inspiring about uh, well, about you. people who who take um, a shitty hand that they've been dealt, right? And and, and persevere. Take lemons and make lemonade. Yeah, yep. we know that. Yep. All that. Phrase. All that. All that crap. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But uh, but no, I do hope that. Uh, 
I hope that some people hear this story and I hope that some people, some other people, you know, I know there's other, there's plenty of people out there that are living with challenges, um, you know, yeah, whether yeah. they deal with an injury or whether they're um, dealt a card, a, a poor hand per- earlier in life with some disability um, or just, you know, whatever setbacks people experience in life, small, you know, there's minor setbacks too that, uh, but then when you see somebody who's had a major, major setback in their life and, and kept gone and pushed, that can be inspiring, even if you're just dealing with small setbacks. So, um, yeah, there's definitely something like, like, like dandruff. Dandruff. <laughs> there's definitely something I think everybody can take can take yeah. from that story. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. What was it? That was a, uh, well, like like airplane and them kind of movies, you know. And that was one of the first ones, and then they got these other other things like you know. This this story is set against the Hindenburg disaster or something, you know. <laughs> uh, how about uh, well, it's kind of like Doctor Strange or Ooh, like Doctor Zhivago. Oh, okay, was set against the uh, communist revolution in Russia in nineteen twelve. Okay. <laughs> um, how about? Best business advice, or just in general, best advice for for somebody out there. Well, I got lots of advice. Yeah, pour most, it all out. Most there. most of a bad advice, but uh, don't be too damn serious. Hmm. Live where you're alive. That's about it. Don't be serious. Too serious. Got to be a little bit serious. Yeah. Eh, yeah. You know, in the end, nobody's going to really care. Nobody's going to care. That's true. Well, anyway, it's about time to go. It is. I think it is. I think it is about time to go. Um, we had a nice. We had a nice conversation. I'm excited to share this with some people, and hopefully it spreads around to the ears that need to hear it. And I'm going to get, I, I, I'm not sure if this is going to go up on the Fergus Falls business spotlight feed. It well, may. Otherwise I'll just, I'll make sure we get it distributed in some other avenues. But uh, yeah, I really appreciate you, Brian. Uh, thank you. Yeah. So, and uh, we didn't really even talk about you were a radio DJ. There's lots of stuff we didn't talk about. Yeah. You did a TV show. You did a TV show. You were a radio DJ. We hardly talked about any of that. We didn't talk about any of that stuff. But maybe yeah. maybe episode two. Maybe we'll get another one. All right. So, Very Brian, good. the ex left hander. I'll see you around. We'll go have a beer. We're Probably gonna go have a beer. Yeah. Oh yeah. This podcast is brought to you by Stumbino's Coffee, Elevate, Victor Lundin's, Hotel 8, Biffley's Bookmark, and Lakes Area Groco.